Hey there, and welcome to the Box Office Watch podcast, where we keep watch on how much money movies are making and why. This is the show recapping the weekend of Friday, May 13th through Sunday, May 15th, 2022. My name is Paulo, and I'm your host. Hope everyone's doing well out there. It's been a pretty busy week and weekend for me. Uh, we had a bunch of people in the office this week from out of town, so I went in for some meetings, and then Friday I had a presentation for Asian Heritage Month. Um, actually was able to sneak in a reference to everything everywhere all at once as an example of Asian representation in media. Um, and then I was out of town to visit my wife's side of the family in upstate over the weekend. Allergies are still pretty bad, but somewhat starting to ease up. Um, and it's also getting warmer here in New York City, so time for the ACs to kick in. Um, though I do need to be careful since you know obviously I'm recording a podcast so I have the AC off right now which means uh, I'm going to want to get through this episode quickly before it gets too hot in my office so with that in mind let's go ahead and hop into these numbers straight away and talk about the box office in first place, we have last week's chart topper as expected, Doctor Strange and the Multiverse of Madness. Uh, given the lukewarm word of mouth uh, over the past week or so, since it isn't the game changer we thought it was going to be, plus the somewhat intense horror sequences making it not as super kid-friendly as people would have hoped, uh, it dropped a massive 67% of its second weekend, down to 61.7 million in 4,534 theaters, per theater average 13,621, and a running total of 292.6 million domestic as of the second weekend. Adding to the 396 million it's made overseas, it's sitting at about 688.8 million uh, worldwide against its 200 million production budget. Now, first off, that drop. Let's put it in context. Um, in For more recent MCU history, you know, No Way Home, Spider-Man film, had a similarly steep drop, about 67, actually 67.49% to be exact. However, given that No Way Home had a massive 260 million opening weekend um, and pretty decent legs, you know, it recently only just stopped running in theaters. Um, and given all the expectations for the film, you know, about, you know, we'll pass spoiler territory of all the Spider-Men showing up, and that was actually that, you know, in great word of mouth, um, you know, that's that that steep drop is pretty much the case of people wanting to not be spoiled, wanting to be their opening night. Um, so, you know, that drop kind of makes sense here. Um, going a little back into 2020, Eternals, which probably had the worst word of mouth for any Marvel film to date, um, had a pretty big, big drop at 62% in its second weekend, but that's still steeper. Uh, that, but still, Doctor Strange is steeper than that. Uh, Shang-Chi, of course, had great word of mouth um, and also fell on a holiday weekend for its first weekend, meaning it would have a steeper drop than normal. Still, that was a 54 Four percent drop in the second weekend, and then Black Widow, which had the day, which to date, uh, and you know, um, it, it still does beat out uh, Doctor Strange in the Multiverse of Madness um, for having the worst drop in MCU film uh, history. It still was not that much off. You know, it had the day and date premiere access situation, um, and that dropped sixty-seven point eight percentage points um, in its second weekend. You know, because of the can- self cannibalization, uh, Doctor Strange being less than a percentage point away from Black Widow uh, in. A weekend when uh, you know there's no day and date excuse when there's no strong competition this weekend um you know and and you know granted they did have a higher opening right but you know we're also pretty much out of the bulk of the pandemic at this point right even though cases are starting to go up again um you know that does not bode well for dr strange uh looking at films from the mcu that's open to a similar amount pre-pandemic you know again 187 million for dr strange 2 uh age of ultron opened just above it within the rankings with the opening 
earning of 191 million. Um, that had a 59% drop in its second weekend. And then Captain America Civil War, which is I think what more people were expecting Doctor Strange 2 to, to be like, had a 179 million opening and also dropped only 59% in its second weekend. So yes, Marvel films do have steeper than 50% drops on the most part just because of how front loaded they are with fanboys. But you know, a 67% drop is not great uh, by by most stretches of the imagination. Now, so with Doctor Strange having a less than expect less than the expected two hundred million opening weekend, uh, and it dropping more to the point which the third worst in the MCU history, is the Marvel train dead? Uh, clearly not, right? Um, you know, they're still going to keep going on. They still have you know the Disney Plus stuff going for them, and they still have a whole slate of films coming up. You know, not even just this year, but going for the next two or three years at this point, right? Um, now the first, the fact that the first Doctor Strange film made two hundred thirty-two million across its entire run. You know, granted it ran for nineteen weeks, but by week fourteen uh, is when it hit the two hundred thirty-two million mark. The fact that this sequel has already surpassed the entire run of the first Doctor Strange film um, still shows how much the Marvel machine has grown. And again, six eighty-eight million worldwide against a two hundred million production budget is already breaking even and then some at this point. Still a win, just not as much of a win as Marvel and Marvel fanboys would have hoped it would be. Now, at this point, you know, Civil War, Black Widows, and the Eternal Flags in the 2.27 to 2.3x range are probably what we can hope for for Doctor Strange here at best, I think. That would put it in the 420 to 430 million range with the 187 million opening. Now, a lot of people are saying, you know, with Top Gun coming out in a, cu in a couple of weeks and then Jurassic World a couple of weeks after that, um, 400 million might be out of reach. Um, that would be pretty bad. That would actually be the worst legs of any Marvel film, right? The worst legs currently in the Marvel film are uh, the Civil War, uh, Captain America Civil War, with the 2.27x. Uh, making less than 400 million would make it less than a 2.13x multiplier, which feels super low volume to me, but we'll see if that pans out. Now, if anything is going to save this film, is going to be the overseas markets, even with China and Russia out of the picture. With 49 markets so far, it's probably going to hit at least at 900 million at this point, with Korea kind of being the uh, non-US market of choice at this point. Um, at this point, though, 1 billion does seem to be in question. That actually, though, for a fun fact, put it in a unique spot. No MCU film has actually ended in the 900 million to 999 million uh, range. They're either all... And you know, up to $899 million, you know, such as Spider-Man Homecoming, Guardians of the Galaxy, and Thor Ragnarok, um, or above a billion dollars, you know, the closest being Captain Marvel, Far From Home, and Civil War. So, you know, just a fun bit of trivia there that Doctor Strange may end up in that weird uh, in-between spot there. Uh, going down the rest of the list, you know, going to second, we have The Bad Guys animated film continuing its run as the de facto kids film, um, holding well 7 million in its fourth weekend, a, 20, a mere 27% drop, 3,788 theaters per theater average, 1857, uh, running domestic total of $66.4 million. It's just shy of 100 million in overseas markets, putting it at about 166 million worldwide. Uh, this again is a de facto kids animated film until Lightyear comes out and so should hold for about another month or so at this point. Uh, in third place, we have Sonic the Hedgehog 2 in its sixth weekend, holding at 23% uh, this weekend, down to 4.6 million in 3,116 theaters, per theater average of 1494, running total of 175 million at the domestic box office. Uh, with 162 million overseas, it's now at 337 million worldwide. Um, by far, anything past this point is pretty much gravy on top of uh, the Sonic the Hedgehog train at this point. And, you know, I still haven't seen it in theaters. I'm not going to get a chance to, but I will probably see it on uh, Paramount Plus whenever it ends up there. 
Uh, in fourth place, we have a new opener, Firestarter from Universal, which is a Blumhouse adaptation of the Stephen King novel of the same name uh, that also inspired the 1984 film of the same name starring Drew Barrymore and Martin Sheen. Uh, this one, uh, this current one, 2022, is starring Zac Efron as the dad, which, oh god, Zac Efron is now old enough to play someone's dad. Um, anyway, this one opened to only 3.8 million domestically in 3,412 theaters per theater average of 11,122. Um, overseas, it made another 2 million, so that puts it about 6 million uh, in its worldwide debut. Uh, reportedly, the budget for this one was only 12 million to make in typical Blumhouse fashion, being pretty tight compared to other films, though, if anything, this one's actually on the high end of what Blumhouse would normally spend. Uh, Word of Mouth seems pretty poor, C- on cinema score, uh, 12% from critics, 48% from audiences on Rotten Tomatoes, so the drops on this one, especially as a horror film, are going to be pretty deep. Uh, I, I would be surprised if it even makes it to the 12 million production budget, um, all told. Um, you know, I'd be surprised definitely if it makes the uh, 1984 domestic total, which was 15 million at the time, uh, open to 4.7 million back then. Um, again, though, with the low budget and just how many films Blumhouse works with, I think for them overall, they can have a couple of losses here and there overall. Uh, finally, in fifth place at the box office, my favorite box office story of the year, Everything Everywhere All at Once, holding steady in its eighth weekend, dropping a mere 6%, single digit 6% last weekend, to come in at $3.3 million, and actually gaining 184 theaters this weekend to go up to uh, 1726 total this weekend, per theater average of 1923, the first time it has dropped below uh, 2,000 for its entire run. Um, so far, its domestic total sits... Uh, its domestic total sits uh, at uh, 47.1 million, um, which uh, I believe is good enough to put it into third place uh, for A24's total filmography um, behind Lady Bird's $48 million and Uncut Gems' top score of uh, $15 million for A24. Assuming it holds well this week, which there's no reason for it to not, um, it'll probably be the number one film by the end of next week, which is super exciting to see. And, you know, there has been some conflicting reports as to when exactly it's coming to VOD, um, which would probably end the schedule when it seems that it's being pushed back from uh, a May date. I can't actually buy it now on Amazon when I try to check before recording. Um, it looks like it's actually just going to end up being, uh, you know, pushed back to early June as I was expecting. So some hope that it could fly as high as $60 million. Um, but yeah, this is kind of insane, you know, from going wide, right, it's, it's going wide opening was $6 million. It has not dropped below 50% of its opening weekend total for any of the weeks it's been out thus far um, going wide. So that's just, you know, truly the box office story of the year so far um, and just a win for independent cinema at this point. Now, outside the top five, Fantastic Beast limps along to $90 million domestic. Uh, the Lost City is now at $97.1 million domestic, inching ever closer to that $100 million mark, which is was something I'm waiting for it to do, though apparently it's now available on Paramount Plus, something else maybe I should check out. Um, but hopefully, you know, but making, you know, I think it made, you know, I think like one, uh, like about one point something million this weekend. So between weekday numbers and, you know, this uh, and, the, and the upcoming weekend, hopefully Lost City can get there. Um, and then at number nine on the weekend uh, chart, is a new opener, Family Camp from Roadside Attractions. Didn't even get the cinema score. Um, opened in 854 theaters for a per theater average of 1638. Domestic total of 1.4 million. Seems it was mostly centralized in specific uh, geog geographic regions that probably were more receptive to this one. Um, definitely, I don't think I was showing in really any New York theaters and, and barely any marketing. If I hadn't been doing this podcast, I wouldn't even know that it was existing in the first place. Um, but yeah, uh, also, interestingly enough, um, 
uh, Sony Pictures gave a push to Uncharted by adding it back uh, to another thousand theaters or so this weekend, up to twelve fifty three total, making five hundred sixty one for the weekend per theater average. per theater average of four hundred forty eight for its thirteenth weekend for a five hundred thirteen percent gain over the last weekend. Pretty odd move. It seems that they're trying to push it to that four hundred million dollar mark, probably because in whatever deals they have with you know down the line streaming services, if it's able to get to a certain hundred million dollar mark worldwide, it'll probably unlock a different you know fee structure for them. So probably that's why I, I, I would imagine uh, studios uh, make that push for that, to get over that hundred million dollar mark. In this case, um, you know, might be a little bit of a stretch here, but you know, you never know if it gets there or not. Uh, meanwhile, Memory from Open Road, starring Liam Neeson, lost fifteen forty eight theaters down to only seven eighty five in its third weekend. Uh, and then finally, Spider Man No Way Home has ended its rep- weekly reporting, capping out at what looks like to be eight hundred and four million dollars domestic in twenty weeks, uh, one point eight eight billion worldwide. Just round of applause for everyone over there. Uh, overall, domestic box office this weekend is $91.7 million. Uh, this weekend, uh, the two wide releases, I believe, are Downton Abbey from Focus Features, which probably won't open as high as the first film's $31 million opening. Uh, box office post has it at between $17 and $20 million for the coming weekend. Um, and then A24 is back at it with uh, a new film called Men, um, which unfortunately does not have any tracking from box office pros. Um, now, overseas, you know, looking overseas, uh, as always, the most exciting news for the box office comes out of Japan, uh, defying all expectations. Um, so here we have a new number one opener, uh, Sin Ultraman, which is a reboot of the classic tokukatsu uh, superhero series of the same trilogy, of the same uh, Sin trilogy. Uh, from director Hideaki Anno, um, you know, the Sin Godzilla movies, which apparently Sin Kamen Rider is coming next year. Um, this one opened on top of the box office too, about 703 million yen or about 5.5 million US Saturday and Sunday, uh, including um, the uh, Friday numbers and previews, you get $7.7 million total. Uh, this actually unseats Detective Conan's rule after the past four weeks at being at the top of the box office. Um, this 7.7 million is also the highest grossing Ultraman film ever um, in only three days. Um, and it also the highest grossing live action Japanese film of the year. Um, also, apparently, it's the biggest opening in May since Pirates of the Caribbean on Stranger Tides 11 years ago, uh, which I think kind of shows that May is generally a weaker period for Japan at the box office. Uh, fun fact, apparently Hideyako Anno, while he did not direct this film, um, apparently did the motion capture for Ultraman, which is kind of wild for me to think about. Um, also notably, this one did beat out Sin Godzilla opening weekend as well in Japan, so here's the hoping it makes its way over here stateside, uh, maybe in a couple of months. Uh, anyway, aside from Sin Ultraman, also out of the topsy-turvy world of the Japanese box office, Fantastic Beast, which is you know generally considered a failure worldwide, has actually overtaken No Way Home over there with a 4.23 billion yen versus 4.17 billion when, uh, yen total for Spider-Man, uh, about 2.88 million admissions versus 2.77 million to be the highest grossing and most attended Western film uh, of 2022 so far. Um, that being said, as we noted, Fantastic Beast is pretty much a failure all everywhere else. 376 million worldwide, not even hitting $400 million, and only $90 million domestic, unlikely to get to that $100 million mark. 
Uh, China is still dealing with its problems overseas with COVID. Uh, reportedly, though, there are rumors of things starting to open up with about 70% of theaters open and Shanghai lifting uh, restrictions soon uh, with cases dropping, though Beijing, I think, is will be under will be suffering from those for a while longer. Uh, total box office for the country was $11.4 million, uh, led by the bad guys in their third weekend at the top for a total of only $3.9 million, running total of $19.1 million in the country. Uh, reportedly, Downton Abbey is still set to release this coming weekend there, which I don't know how many fans Downton Abbey has in China, um, but the big one is Jurassic World Dominion is set to release on June 10th over there. Now, given how the first two Jurassic World films made about $261, $228 million uh, over there, between 12 and 20% of total box office, whether or not China actually embraces this film will be a pretty good barometer on whether they were willing to come back to Hollywood films or just movies in general at this point. Um, you know, and definitely if they do, it'll definitely be an edge for Jurassic World to maybe be one of the highest, definitely be, but potentially be the highest grossing film of the year over uh, worldwide. So that's all of the box office news uh, per se. Uh, there are, you know, not too much this week, so we'll just go over some headlines before wrapping it up. Um, Pixar revealed concept art and a date for their next film coming in June 2023 called Elemental, uh, which basically seems like Zootopia meets Avatar The Last Airbender, directed by the director of The Good Dinosaur, Peter Son. Uh, hopefully this one does better than The Good Dinosaur does. Um, Ron Howard's film 13 Lives, which is about the Thai, Thai soccer team rescue uh, starring Colin Farrell and Viggo Mortensen, was originally dated for November 18th, you know, some potential awards buzz there. Um, but coming out of MGM with the Amazon acquisition, it's been moved up to an early August release date with a limited theatrical release before coming out on Prime. I would say this probably kills out any awards potential that might have. Um, other films in the pipeline from NZM, uh, Billy Porter's Anything's Possible and the Samaritan movie starring Sylvester Stallone also apparently will be adjusting their release schedule and coming out on Prime as well. Now, on the flip side, you know, instead of coming out of theaters or coming out of theatrical exclusivity, a Bloomberg report this past weekend suggests that in light of the financial issues lately, in addition to planning on cutting about 150 employees from, from Netflix, um, they are planning on releasing more movies uh, for up to a 45-day theatrical window this year, including the arguably biggest movie of the year, Knives Out 2, as well as the Alejandro Inarritu Bardo film, which has some Oscars buzz also. Um, that's a lot to be said here about how you, know, you could argue all of Netflix's problems come from this issue of fighting theaters, and that's a topic for another episode. Now, that being said, I'm really interested to see if A, uh, Netflix ends up reporting box office numbers, and B, if agreeing to a 45-day theatrical window will be enough uh, for them to come back to AMC and Regal Cinemas, since, you know, Cinemark has already shown that they're willing to play a game with AMC, uh, showing Army of the Dead and, and Don't Look Up for, you know, a week exclusivity before coming out on Netflix. It looks like from the reporting that a big roadblock to this will be whether or not Netflix actually ponies up the money uh, to do marketing for the film. You know, up to this point, Netflix really hasn't marketed their film on, you know, uh, on a lot of places to you know, tell people to go see it in theaters, of course, mostly just seeing it on their own platform. Really, the way they've been trying to get these people to watch the new stuff is to you know, advertise within the Netflix app. Um, if they And, you know, theaters don't want to have Netflix, you know, coming into their showing films in their theaters um, when Netflix isn't going to be doing the advertising, right? That's a big part of, you know, why we say the production budget isn't the only thing. There's all of this additional cost to it. So Netflix has been able to avoid that, right? That marketing cost. But that's going to be added on to the $450 million, uh, budget of both the this film and the next Knives Out film as well. Well, so will Netflix play a game? That's, that remains to be seen. But if they do, that'll be really interesting to see that kind of paradigm shift out of them. 
Uh, related to Knives Out, it looks like Rian Johnson's work on that uh, series has caused his supposed Star Wars film to basically be, or trilogy to be delayed at this point, as confirmed by Kathleen Kennedy. Uh, in an interview, she also said that Patty Jenkins' Rogue Squadron is likely to be delayed, so it looks like Taika Waititi's uh, Star Wars film will be the next one coming out, though a date still has not been set for that. Uh, given the relative success of the Star Wars TV series on Disney+, and the relative trade wreck that the sequel trilogy was, I don't blame them for being a little bit gun-shy at this point regarding the films and giving the theatrical Star Wars a bit of breathing space. But, you know, since we've already talked about Pixar and Lucasfilms in this episode, might as well check in with 20th Century Fox and Avatar. Um, the first teaser for Way of Water, you know, apparently in the first 24 hours had about 148.6 million views, about 23 million of that, those coming out of China. You know, this total beats all the recent Star Wars films and, you know, of course doesn't include the people who saw it before Doctor Strange 2. Um, uh, for comparison to recent films, you know, F9 had about 202 million, I believe, in the first 24 hours, Black Widow 113 million. So take these numbers for what you will, whether or not you believe in social media numbers, you know, indicating interest in the film, uh, but I think it is pretty obvious that if there is interest, China will be crucial for this film, so Disney's definitely hoping that, you know, one, they can avoid the whole Marvel situation over there uh, with Avatar, and then two, uh, that uh, this whole COVID thing is kind of wrapped up for China by the end of the year. Um, now, with the Cannes Film Festival starring this week, we got an announcement that Neon uh, will be distributing Hirokazu Koreeda's South Korean film Broker, starring Parasite's Song Kang-ho, which, if you remember, Neon distributed Parasite uh, during its Oscar run, so this is kind of pretty big news. Um, this is opposite uh, Mubi's acquisition of Park Chan-wook's decision to leave, the other major South Korean entry uh, for this year uh, that is one of the frontrunners for this year's Oscar, so we'll be seeing, interesting to see which one ends up getting selected by South Korea to compete, though it is very realistic that, you know, even if, for example, uh, this is the leave ends up getting nominated, um, that, you know, Neon running uh, the campaign as they did with Worst Person in the World last year could maybe get some nominations for some uh, uh, categories outside of an international film. So it'll be interesting to see how those do down the line. Uh, and then, of course, this is for the investing types out there. While he may not be the ape uh, investing in AMC, Warren Buffett has reportedly bought a 2.6 billion stake in Paramount Global. Um, given his in, his investing style of you know long term gains of, of, and investing in winners that are presumably currently undervalued, it seems that the recent success at Paramount at the box office, as well as their upcoming plans for Paramount Plus, seem to be headed in the right direction, at least according to him. Uh, Top Gun Maverick getting a 97% certified fresh on Rotten Tomatoes. Uh, you know, which is just win after win after win with, you know, uh, Jackass 4, um, uh, you know, Sonic the Hedgehog this year, uh, The Lost City, and, you know, of course, again, Top Gun Maverick. You know, this 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 definitely seems like Paramount's year uh, as well as Sony's, uh, if anything. So, you know, that's definitely exciting to see. And with that, I think that is a wrap for this week's episode. Uh, so many ideas for us to cover via email at boxofficewatchpodcast at gmail.com or on Twitter at BOWatchPodcast. You can find us so on Spotify, iTunes, and Google Play. Make sure you subscribe or leave a review or at the very least tell a friend anyway that helps. If you're feeling extra generous, consider supporting us on Patreon. Uh, links to all that will be in the show notes. Numbers used in the show come from dnumbers.com. Intro and outro music from Kevin MacLeod. His stuff is in company.filmmaster.io. Editing production by Ninsboy Media. Until next time, this has been the Box Office Watch. And remember, our watch goes on. Yeah.